Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of PwC's Leap Network How To In Power podcast. This was our very first live Q&A recording session where we have the privilege of speaking with Caroline Noakes, who is chair of the Women and Equalities Select Committee, as well as Asim Siddiqui, who is the PwC Southeast partner in our digital audit, but also the co-lead for diversity inclusion in our audit line of service. In this session that we were covering off and helping others to empower themselves to drive forward the diversity and inclusion agenda within their own organization. Uh, we kicked off the session prior to the recording uh, by hearing a quote around uh, diversity is being invited to the party uh, and inclusion is being uh, asked to dance. So we wanted to uh, empower everyone to make sure that everyone is always being invited to the party and that everyone is up on the dance floor. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. As always, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, please make sure you uh, leave us a rating or leave us a comment or, or hit us up on social media. The hashtag on Twitter is PwC underscore leap, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but as always, uh, I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening and see you next time. And welcome to our very first live episode of PwC's Leap Network How To Empower podcast. The podcast that offers practical advice on how you can empower yourself and others to take action and drive change for a more inclusive workplace. The business case for diversity and inclusion is well reported. Business leaders agree that diverse teams are more representative customers, offer a variety of viewpoints and a wider range of experience, which improves decision making and problem solving. In the workplace, everyone is entitled to a safe and respectable environment and everyone should have equal access to employment and opportunities. But as we all know, there are still many barriers, big and small, to overcome. And in today's episode, we will be seeking to empower you to make a real progress in your organization by understanding what are the common challenges to inclusion in the workplace. And I am delighted to be joined by Caroline Noakes, Chair of the Women and Equalities Select Committee, and Asim Siddiqui, PwC Southeast Partner in Digital and Audit, and the co-lead for diversity and inclusion in our audit line of service. Uh, welcome, Caroline and Asim, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Chris. Hello, Chris. Uh, Caroline, if we can start with you, if, if we may, it'd be great to hear from you on, on a personal level. Why is diversity inclusion so important to you? Well, I'm just going to give you a very, very short potted history um, and worth reflecting that I arrived in Parliament having been the youngest daughter of a man who only had daughters, having been to an all-girls school for a short period of time. And immediately before I arrived in Parliament, I led an organisation with a team of 12, all of whom were women and then pitched up in a boys prep school where I always say the inmates hadn't quite got to the age of 13. For me, a massive culture shock and the sort of level of everyday sexism that you really wouldn't think would exist in 21st century Britain. And, you know, I think for the first few years, I ignored it. I almost accepted it, became one of the lads, took every joke on the chin, um, and then suddenly just got to the point where you, we all get to it, up with this I will not put. Um, and over the course of the last five years or so, it's been really interesting as my colleagues have got younger, they've got more diverse, there are more women, real attitudinal change. Um, and so when the opportunity came along to chair 
the Women and Equality Select Committee, there was a sort of a real moment of self-doubt. Can I do this? Is this for me? Is this the right sort of role? And then suddenly I have that, you know, that angry woman moment where we go, yes, yes, I can do this. I'm going to do this because if our parliament isn't a great example of diversity inclusion, then we cannot expect our workplaces or our schools or our social spaces to be brilliant examples of diversity and inclusion. So um, that's why I do it. And I kind of, you know, very early days in the job. So interesting to see how much we can achieve over the course of the next five years. I remember us speaking offline about the inaccessible government tour. Not that I'm planning to go to the uh, Houses of Parliament anytime soon, but uh, it, again, to your point exactly, it's, it's, a, it's a great, uh, you know, like I said earlier, there's big barriers and small barriers to overcome. And it's great that we're making progress on that. Uh, Asim, same question to you. It'd be great to understand why diversity inclusion is so important to you personally. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I know just how important it is for anyone to really bring them bring their whole selves into the workplace um, because if you cannot, then actually you won't perform as highly. I mean, look, I'm, I'm hugely privileged. I was born in this country. I went to a private school. I went to a very good university. Um, but even with all of that, when I joined PwC, I did not feel like I could bring my whole self into work. I had my work self and I had my home self. Um, and for me, Breaking down those barriers um, will mean that we unleash the potential of our workforce in a much more intrinsic way that will deliver value, not only from a people experience point of view, but also from a client um, experience point of view. Um, so it's not a charitable endeavor here. This is purely um, around making sure that we are the best organization, we attract the best talent, and we deliver with the best talent. Oh, I love that. I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And uh, Caroline, I, I think we touched on it very briefly uh, in, in a previous question, but can you let us know how diversity and inclusion plays a part on the govern government agenda currently? So I think it's important to reflect that my committee exists solely to scrutinise how well the government's doing on this. And I think there are a number of aspects I'd like to highlight, and some of them COVID-affected. So things like gender pay gap reporting, which we saw suspended immediately that COVID struck. Uh, I think it's absolutely imperative that the government gets back to the reporting so that a light is shone on the differences that there are. But that's not enough. So I would have compulsory ethnicity pay gap reporting because we need to see where BAME people are being disadvantaged in lower paid roles. And we need companies uh, and government itself to look at that and work out what they can do. But it, for me, it's not enough to have audits and reviews and reports. We've had oodles of them over the years. We've had 20 years of uh, anti-discrimination legislation for disabled people, yet still we see disabled people less represented in the workforce. And actually COVID has taught us some fantastic things about how easy it is to work from home, how easy it is to adjust your patterns of work so you can make them more flexible, more adaptable for anybody to be able to fulfill roles. And so I think coming out of COVID, we have to look at things like the race disparity audit and say, you know what, it's not good enough to accurately measure the deficit. What we need to see is concrete policies coming forward that are going to tackle those injustices, whether it be uh, for women, for disabled people, BAME people, people with uh, different sexual orientation. I think it's imperative 
that government seizes that agenda and says, hey, you know what, let's make it a Britain fit for the 21st century where we've uh, done away with all of those unfairnesses. Now, huge challenge, um, but I always uh, like to tell the the Minister for Women and Equalities, you know, it's my job to hold her feet to the fire. She can expect a lot of that over the next few years. That's great to hear. And on your point about uh, working from home, making it easier for, for particularly the disabled community to work from home, I'm currently delivering this in my standing frame, which I'm not sure if everyone can see, uh, funded by my local council, which makes a, a monumental difference in my well-being throughout the day and, and actually makes me a million times more productive rather than just having the world's tightest legs by sitting down all day. Um, uh, Asim, um, I, I know, uh, as I am, I'm very proud of how far we've already come as a firm with diversity and inclusion. Uh, and there is so much that we could talk about and reference. But uh, for you personally, what is, uh, the, I guess, the, the, the achievement to date that you're most proud of? God, there's, there's just, there are a lot. And, you know, when we, it's just what Carol was, was talking about, we've been publishing our ethnicity pay gap for a while now voluntarily. Um, and I guess for me, the things that I'm most proud of, um, I think about the investment in Bradford uh, that we as a firm have made. Um, but when it comes down to it, the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that as leaders, as partners in the business, I have been part of a number of meetings where this has been top of the agenda to discuss. I have seen firsthand how business unit leaders, members of our exec have struggled with this topic um, but they've not shied. They've not shied away from the topic, um, and I think that for me is a real point of pride because we're not ducking our responsibilities, and we're actually looking to make meaningful progress. So one of the things that we're looking to do is say, well, look, this isn't a charitable endeavour. We need to educate our people, so that's one one pillar of our strategy. So we need to explain to people what it means to be privileged what it means to be a black man or an international secondee into, into PwC. But we can't just be the education. It can't just be the cultural awareness and appreciation for one another. There's got to be interventions as well, because clearly there are barriers both in society, outside of PwC, but inside PwC that prevents people from ethnic backgrounds to succeed. Um, you can see that from representation at leadership and so we've got to address those. And then finally, we've got to keep honest and measure our success in, in all of the activities that we do. So it's National Inclusion Week next week. Um, that's an educational piece. In terms of interventions, when we look at the moderation process that we've been through, we certainly always look at the results of that and see, right, what can we do to really spearhead like talent in, in, and, and develop talent in particular areas? Um, and then, you know, the measurement, we, we, we have our ethnicity pay gap, but actually we're looking at the proportion of our, our um, promotions, the proportion of our tier impact ones. I think all of that together is hugely, hugely important. Oh, it's great to hear, and I, I love the, the hashtag PwC proud, and I think it certainly applies in, 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 that, in that instance. Uh, Caroline, we've certainly set ourselves an ambitious agenda with regards to diversity and inclusion. Uh, why do you see that as vital to our strategy, not only for us personally, but uh, also for our clients and the, and the community? 
So apologies for not talking about PwC in my answer to this, but I think what is really obvious is when you look at decisions taken by any organization at whatever level, you always get a better decision when you have different voices in the room. And uh, people think that I'm eternally hung up on the fact that we heard so few female voices in the press conferences during the daily corona updates uh, from Downing Street. And I don't know that I was particularly fixated with the lack of women uh, presenting at those press conferences. I was more concerned about the lack of women feeding into the decisions made then being reported at those press conferences. I could rather naughtily have a little bit of a poke at Keith and say, gosh, there weren't very many women uh, leaders that you chose to use in those videos presented. But the reality is, is that you have to think the whole time, are we listening to as many voices as we need to? Are they the right sorts of voices? Are they from the right backgrounds? Are they showing the breadth of diversity? Because if you're leaving people out of the room, then ultimately you're going to come up with the wrong decisions, the narrow decisions that aren't going to be best for your business, your organization, uh, your government. I agree. Um, and I guess uh, it'd be great to hear from both of you. What a piece of advice would you give to our staff to feel empowered to continue to broaden their own and others' mindsets on diversity, inclusion? And, and, and Caroline, it'd be great if we can start with you. So this is something that, and if we go back to what I said right at the beginning, use your voice. For too many years in Parliament, I didn't. Um, and I look back on that, and you know, maybe some of that was some natural reticence. Maybe I was too timid. Maybe I was too scared to speak out. Uh, don't be scared. I think the worst thing I heard in Parliament recently was um, came from the Royal College of Nursing that was saying that BAME nurses during COVID were afraid to use their voice to speak out when they weren't getting the right level of PPE. Um, now, that is absolutely shocking. And I don't want any individual, whether they be uh, from a Black, Asian, minority, ethnic background, whether they're male, female, whether they're uh, LGBT, whether they're in a wheelchair, whatever, we all have to use our voice and we have a responsibility, those of us who have particularly loud ones, to make sure that we're using them for everybody else as well. I love that. Uh, Asim? Yeah, I, I mean, look, for me, it's it's read up, educate yourselves, um, but don't just stop there. Talk about it with one another. Um, think about how it impacts PwC, and actually think about what can you play uh, in terms of to, as a role to improve the experience and improve the diversity and inclusion of, of the business. Um, this is one of those problems where we all have our part to play. We can't just leave it to someone else um, to solve for us. Um, and if we do fall into that trap of saying, well, okay, well, you know, Asim's going to sort that out or, or Carol's going to sort that out or the people partner will sort that out, whatever else, we just will not get the momentum. And we'll just continue to have this Groundhog Day type conversation about things that, frankly, we should have moved on from like years and years ago. Um, and I think it's important not to beat ourselves up too much. We have to go at this from a positive mindset, which is what positive impact can I make as an individual? How can I use my privilege of A, working at PwC or B, in a leadership position at PwC? How can I use that privilege for good? How can I make the experience better? Not just for the minorities, but for everyone. And I think understanding that um, takes 
time, effort and thought. And I know that we're all time poor. So my, my one ask, my one piece of advice for anyone that really, really wants to make a difference here is read up on it. There's so much material out there. But when you read up on it, think about what you can do at PwC um, to make a difference, because it's that link that sometimes we miss quite a bit. And I completely agree with you. Um, well, as this is our first live episode, we've actually got some questions from the audience for both of you. Um, I can see a few faces grimacing there, and I I've followed, I've, uh, fully promised they're lovely questions. And, and the first one is for you, Caroline. Um, as part of your role on the Equality Committee, are you investigating quality of investment in men's and women's sports by governing bodies? So, for example, are men's and women's teams representing England receiving the same funding, facilities and opportunities? So the committee is very much at the moment embroiled in three separate inquiries into COVID, which are the priority inevitably. But we are currently um, considering our future program and uh, discrimination in sport is absolutely on the agenda. So we're not doing it yet, but that will be uh, one inquiry that we do over the next 12 months. I think I read in the press that the women's the England's women's football team were getting paid the same as the men's as well, which is which is fantastic. But again, a, a very uh, first step for a long way to go. Can I just say on that, Chris? You know, great that the England women's team get paid the same as the men's, but are the women's team at Arsenal paid the same as men? Exactly. Yeah, there's small barriers and big barriers still to come for sure. Uh, Asim, one for you. Um, so. One of the questions is, it's great to hear what we're doing around diverse inclusion, uh, but what can we actually uh, do to make this happen with all grades of our staff? So an example, when I put requests out of people, out to get people involved in our central enterprises, uh, for instance, to gauge with our lead network, amongst other diverse inclusive activity, the engagement is quite low. Uh, I suspect this is down to people being just very busy. How do we encourage all of our staff to get involved? I mean, that's that's a really really good question um for me there's going to be a mixture of things there's got to be a bit of carrot and there's got to be a bit of stick as well um so let me start with the stick um each of the business unit leaders that we have um this is like one of the most important objectives that they have as a as a business unit leader to get more engagement into this topic and to improve our performance in diversity and inclusion and some of the activities that were talked about just there in that question absolutely form part of that um so you can imagine if the unit leader is feeling sure on it um the chances are the office senior partners are going to be feeling the pressure the partners will be feeling the pressure and all of a sudden you've got uh, an individual objective for each and every one of us to get involved and show that we can get involved, have the evidence to provide like we do with all of our feedback in the year. In terms of carrot, I'm, you know, one of the things that um, I've been surprised by um, is that we just need to tell, especially our junior members, that they have a license to operate in this area. So take an example. I go to 12 disadvantaged schools in North London um, some of the poorest schools in London um, to help with CV writing and interview skills. Um, there is no reason why um, I could not take a senior associate. And actually, in my office, there is a real desire from some of the juniors. Once they heard that um, this is what we can do, that this is what they want to do and how they can meaningfully help, 
So it goes away from sort of utilizing our skills to paint fences. When let's face it, we're not professional fence painters. But actually what we can do is really help with CVs, interviews, empowerment um, in a really meaningful way to those schools, those educational institutions, those parts of our society that don't have or have not got the resources that perhaps we were accustomed to. So for me, is I guess one thing I would like to say for all of our junior members and senior members, we all have a license to operate in this area. And if you want it to, if you want some ideas as to how to get involved, our Colour Brave advocates, our Colour Brave champions can absolutely give that because I know there are huge amounts of um, projects and initiatives that we want that we just want volunteers for. So I can guarantee you, if you want to do something, we can find you something to do. You just need to make it. I think our people networks are fantastic for this as well. So I'm, I'm very involved with our Dawn committee. Uh, and one thing we, we've been discussing recently is, uh, you know, a lot of offices are making their, their premises uh, accessible, but actually, uh, a lot of disabled people, it's the, having the confidence to even get to the workplace in the first place. So do you have a, a, a really um, a good process in the morning? For instance, for me, you know, I have a bladder and bowel routine that I need to master. I have to, uh, it's not just simple as getting on the train. It's making sure that there's someone there ready with a ramp and someone on the other side if I manage to prepare that. And for some people, um, you know, that, that, that's something they haven't had to do before. Perhaps they need education around. And it's very simple for us to say, look, we've been doing this for, for a while now. Let us come out actually into the community and show you how we're doing it, uh, as well as, um, you know, one uh, of you come in and, you know, let's talk about are there any skill sets that might suit you? To your point, Asim, you know, can we, can we help with CVs? We're in a very pri uh, privileged permission, uh, position. Uh, I think we can certainly give back. And uh, I think for the first time in, ever in this podcast, we're actually doing very well on time. Uh, so, were there any other closing remarks or anything that we might have missed it that you guys would like to add? Perhaps uh, you know how we can progress, or I guess a really good next action. Uh, and I've got probably millions of actions to, to press ahead with on the diversity inclusion uh, agenda. And, and, and Caroline, it, it'd be great to any closing remarks from from you. So, my closing remark, and you basically just said it, Chris. So much of it about including people, bringing them into your organisations, giving them the ability to thrive within them boils down to confidence. And it's confidence on both sides. It's confidence of the individual to be able to speak out, to be able to come to work, to risk a uh, good old Southwestern Railway, having the ramp in the right place at the right time. Uh, and they're firmly in my corner for an inquiry into disability <laughs> transport. Um, but it's also confidence from organizations to understand that bringing different people in is going to make your organization better. So actually make some decisions that may be outside the box and maybe involve people that talk with a different accent or look a bit different or maybe horror, horror, think a bit differently um, and you will enrich your organization. So uh, I always say for me, being in parliament is a fantastic opportunity to meet people from all around the country, from all different backgrounds uh, and to find out about you know, what makes them tick and what they bring to the organization. And I always look at my committee which is phenomenally diverse. So we have one rep from Wales, one from Scotland. We have London. We have the Southwest, the Southeast, uh, and oodles of them from the North now. Uh, and each of them brings something different and something uh, unique. And, uh, you know, it's about a range of perspectives and organizations that don't have that are poorer for it. Yeah, I think for me, what I would probably say, just to 
kind of bring a PwC lens on all of this is that we can control what's inside of PwC in terms of our, the way we moderate people, the opportunities we provide to people, who we talk to, who we don't talk to. This whole problem, if we think is going to be solved by one single action or even a dozen single actions, we're kidding ourselves, right? It is far too complex. There's stuff that happens outside of PwC that we have no reach over. Um, but I would just challenge people to think, we like to say that we treat people equally in this organization. We like to think that, and I think in the main we do. But how we're treating people equitably look. So if we put a post up that says, this is the role and you know everyone to apply and there's 10 criteria on there, is that the equal way and the equitable way? I'm not entirely sure, and let me just explain why. A white male will probably look at that list of 10 requirements and say, I can do five of them, I'm going to apply. A female mind or a minority mind might look at that and go, I can't do two of those, therefore I'm not the right person, I'm not applying. In a very simple example, what's happened, doorbell, <laughs> in that very simple example, that is an example of how we've treated people equally, we've given them equal access in our minds to an opportunity, but we've not got the equitable outcome. So we have to be more thoughtful. Um, about how we offer opportunity to our people, how we give them access to um, to career-enhancing roles, but to something that's interesting. And also think about just how do we encourage people to look at that and say, I can do most of it, and therefore I am going to apply, uh, and make that a very, very welcoming environment. And I think it's really hard to do, but we have to we have to hold ourselves to account. We have to be prepared to do lots of actions, fail in a lot of actions, but in the ones that we succeed in, continue. And I think there are two fantastic challenges to, to draw us to a close uh, of another episode of, of How to Empower. Uh, and look, thank you both so much. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. And again, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, to you, our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And as always, we absolutely love to hear from you and your thoughts about the podcast. And you can do that via social media using the hashtag PWC underscore leap, or you can leave a review wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. And if you could rate the pod as well, that makes a huge difference to us. Uh, and of course, do not forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you.